Christmas all over again. You know, a couple of months ago, I was sitting talking with my grandkids, and just out of the blue, Ethan, uh, he goes, when's Christmas? And I said, well, it's about seven months. And he's like, well, how many days is that? So we did a little figure, and I said, it's about 210 days. And they're like, well, how many hours? I'm like, okay, about 5,000, a little more than 5,000 hours. And so the kids all started discussing how many hours that was. And they, they thought it sounded like an awful lot of time. And finally, Dason, now he's, he's four, he goes, Grandpa, will you still be alive then? <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I, I will be. I'm not sure about you, but, uh, you know. I mean, when, when is Christmas? When is it? I remember as a kid starting that countdown, you know, wanting to know how long. I I couldn't wait for Christmas. And the closer we got, the more excited I got about Christmas. And when Christmas Eve would finally arrive, it seemed like time just slowed down to a crawl at that point. I remember one year, uh, Christmas Eve, uh, Mom and Dad, we all headed to bed, and numerous times through, through the night, I got up, headed into their room, and I go, is it Christmas yet? And they're like, Damon, go back to bed. So I'd head back to my room, and it, it seemed like hours. I'm sure it wasn't, but uh, it back in, I went. Is it Christmas yet? And they're like, Damon, I'll wake you up when it's Christmas, okay? Go back to bed. Now, my parents had to be pretty patient. The fact that I'm here today would tell you they were patient with me because uh, I, I went in several more times and asked the same question, and finally my parents, actually my dad, I remember him saying, Damon, if you come in this room again and ask that question, you're going to be in trouble. Now, I wasn't sure what kind of trouble you could be in on Christmas Day, but I remember laying in my bed thinking for a long time, what am I going to do? What am I going to do now? And finally, I absolutely couldn't stand it anymore, and I, I marched in the room with a very new and improved question. It's not Christmas yet, is it? And that did not go well. A few hours later, mom and dad got up, my brother and I, we raced in the living room because we would always be able to uh, open our stockings before breakfast. And I found out what my parents meant by in trouble at that point because I found out that Santa had penalized me and I could not open my stocking till after breakfast. Now, I don't know how Santa found out. You know, I was trying to figure that one out. But all I know, and I remember it very vividly, I watched my brother unwrap all the stuff in his stocking and play with it and was very proud of the fact that he could play with it and I wasn't to touch anything. The whole time my mom is cooking a giant, I mean, I'm talking giant breakfast. One time out of the year that that mom would cook a big breakfast, it was a Christmas tradition, And I'm thinking, this is crazy. You know, cereal and cream of wheat are good enough through the year. It ought to be good enough this morning, especially since I was in trouble. 
And I, I thought that time had just stopped. And the whole time I'm thinking, why couldn't I have just waited? Why couldn't I just wait? So for anyone that can't wait for Christmas, Merry Christmas. We're celebrating today. I said, expect the unexpected this summer. You know, as I was preparing this message, it really got me thinking about when is Christmas? You know, a careful read of of God's word. You spend some time in, in the Bible. And this has been my observation in life. Everything, everything is in God's timing. Everything's in God's timing. When's the Christmas? Well, God chose a specific time in history for Jesus Christ to come to this world. It's not an accident. God chose the time. Scripture says in Galatians, it says, But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us, who were slaves to the law, so that we could be adopted So he could adopt us as his very own children. God waited for that right time. And he sent Jesus Christ. It was in God's time. You know, when's Christmas? Well, I think for some, it's that Christmas season that they embrace. For for other people, it starts on Christmas Eve. And most people celebrate on December the 25th. But I want you to understand, the most important thing about Christmas is not the festivities. In fact, it's not even the fact that we recognize and celebrate the birth of Christ on Christmas Day. The most important thing is the impact that Christmas has on your life every day. Christmas is is something that we should celebrate every day. You know, today what I want to do is look at some of the statements uh, of the angels to the shepherds because I think it is loaded with time-sensitive information that it's the kind of thing that should impact us every single day of our lives. You know, because of of Christmas, we can can let go of fear in our lives. What, What is it you worry about today? The economy? Bills? your health, a job, your kids. Where do you worry? Because the angel says, don't be afraid. Let go of the anxiety. Let go of the fear. Let go of whatever it is that that is terrifying you. And take a breath. You know, the story says, then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. Let's talk about the shepherds there. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Do you know if you look in God's word, there are over 365 fear nots in the Bible. In other words, there's one for every day of the year that you could read. And when I think about that, I think there must have been a very, very important message that God wanted us to get. Fear not in life. Do not be afraid. It's interesting when you take a look at God's word that many times when God spoke to people in the Bible, he started out by saying, do not be afraid. Fear not. Why why is that? Well, I think part of it is 
a lot of people are afraid of God. I mean, if an angel showed up on behalf of God, I I think most of us would be afraid. I think there's a lot of fear when it comes to God. In fact, I would challenge you, next time you're at like a gathering, you know, maybe a party or something, just go up and in casual conversation, speaking of God, and, and watch people tense up. You know, they, they get up tight because I think there's, there is an element of fear when it comes to God. I also think that the reason why God starts by, by saying don't be afraid is because we spend an enormous amount of time fearing the future. Because we don't know what the future holds. We can't control the future. We, we don't know what to expect. And, and so we're afraid. And I want to say the Christmas story says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. That first Christmas, God addressed the biggest problem that we have in our life, and that's a sin problem. God God took care of that. He took care of something that had eternal implications for us. And if God took care of our eternal future, think about this. If God took care of the biggest thing in your life, the biggest problem you had, don't you think God can handle whatever it is that you're struggling with now? Whatever it is you're, you're afraid of? perspective here you know something i've figured out that this life this world there are lots of problems in this life how many of you have figured that one out i mean there there are just are sometimes it just feels like you exchange one problem for another problem in this world there are always going to be uncertainties in this life And you get a choice, whatever the uncertainty is in your life, and we all have them, whatever it is, you can either face that uncertainty with fear, that's one option, or you can face them with God, that's the other option. Now Isaiah says, I am the Lord your God. He's writing on behalf of God, he says, I am holding your hand, so what? Don't be afraid. Why? I'm here to help you. God says, don't be afraid. Let go of your fear. Whatever it is that you fear today, I want to challenge you to give it to God. Just give it to God. The Hebrew writer writes and says, For God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Let us be bold then and say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Because of Christmas, I believe we can live boldly in our lives. I believe that it's possible to live without fear. I also think because of Christmas, we have good news. This isn't, uh, Christmas isn't about Santa Claus and Rudolph and Frosty. I mean, that, that stuff's fine. But the center is it's about Jesus Christ. The angels said, but the angels said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all people. Good news. Is it good news? Fantastic news? You know, that's why the the church exists, 
is because we have great news. That's why people wander through our doors once in a while. They're in the midst of struggling or hurting and they're looking for answers. And they come in because they're looking for good news. In fact, I would argue people are longing for good news in our society. You know, this world is full of bad news. Just take a look at the TV or the newspaper Bad news. And it, it, honestly, it's getting worse and worse and worse all the time. And I would argue because of that, the good news keeps getting better and better and better because you've got this contrast between what you hear on TV, what you hear on the radio, what you see in the newspaper, and what the Bible has to say. Kind of things that you hear here at Faith Fellowship or other churches Good news, friends, stands out in our society today. And I am absolutely sure, I mean, this church will change through the years. We will. We already have. But the message will not change. It is the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, what is the good news? Well, I think one is that you matter to God. You matter to God. God knows absolutely everything about you. He knows the good things. He knows the bad things. He knows the ugly things, the things that we're ashamed of. God knows everything. But God still loves you. You matter. Think about it. The creator of this universe cares about you, wants the very best for you, pays attention to everything that's happening in your life. I think the good news is you're not an accident. You know, I don't care what the circumstance of your birth. You were created by God, and you were born in God's timing. God wasn't surprised when you you took your first breath. God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life. That's good news. I think when you realize that, when you realize that God has a purpose for your life, and you center yourself in God's purpose, and you put God in the center of your life, you find fulfillment in life. You find satisfaction. And friends, that's good news in this world. And I think the good news is that God wants you to know him as much as he knows you. Think about that. God knows everything about you. He already knows that. But he wants you to know him. That's why he sent Jesus Christ to this world, so that we would know what what he was like. You know, I've thought about this. If if God had wanted to, like, relate to birds, I think he would have came to this world as a bird. You know, or just pick whatever. If God had wanted to relate, he would make himself like whatever it is, and God wanted to relate to human beings, and so he became like us. You know, I have no clue how to relate to the the force. I, I have no idea how to connect with some cosmic energy that holds the world together. I have no idea. But I absolutely understand what God is like when I look at Jesus Christ. I can relate to that. 
I realize that it is possible that I can have a relationship with him. You know, it's like the, the little boy. I remember hearing this years ago. He's afraid of the dark and started crying and asking for his parents. And dad came in and he said, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm afraid. You know, come in here and stay with me, dad. His dad said, you'll be okay. Just hold tight to Teddy. Everything will be fine. And the little kid's like, I want something with skin on it, you know. And when you look at God, when I look at God, I want something with skin on it. And that's why Jesus Christ came to this earth. That's why Jesus Christ became flesh, so that I would know what God's like. I can relate to that. That's good news in this world, that God wants us to know him. God wants us to know him so much that he gave a personal gift of himself. You know, it's like Hallmark. He cared to send the very best. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send a messenger. He came himself. The angel said, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. It is joy for all people. Think about that. No matter what your background, I mean, you may be Catholic, you may be Jewish, you may be Buddhist or Baptist or whatever. It doesn't really matter because I don't care what your religious background is. God came to this world not to give you religion. That's where we get messed up. He came to give you relationship with him. Christmas is God saying, I want to relate to you. I want you to know me. I want to get to know you on a personal level, to have conversations with you. Good news. That's good news. It's great news. I think because of Christmas, we are able to live every day forgiven. You know, it says, to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. This is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth and lying in a manger. You notice what that says? Savior. It doesn't say he's sending us a salesperson. I mean, we didn't need products. It doesn't say he's sending us the Marines. We don't need to fight a war. It doesn't say a movie star. We don't need entertainment. It says he's sending a Savior. You know why? Because we need to be saved. We, we need forgiveness in, in our lives. Why do I need a Savior? Why do you? Well, for one, heaven, heaven's a perfect place. No sin. There's no suffering. There's no pain. No sorrow in heaven. It's perfect. Absolutely perfect. We are absolutely imperfect, right? Quit looking at your neighbor. Think about this. If we were to go to heaven, this perfect place, and we're imperfect, heaven would no longer be perfect if we were there. So, so if only perfect people can go to heaven, we're in trouble, aren't we? In other words, you can't make it on your own and I can't. 
You may be a good person, but you're not perfect. And because you're not perfect, because God doesn't grade on some curve, we've got a big problem. And God realized that. God said, you know what? I'm going to send my son to this world. And Jesus did live a perfect life. And Jesus ultimately would give his life up on the cross for our sins so we could be forgiven of our sins so that it would make it possible for us to get into heaven. You can't get in on your own. Hear this. It's a Christmas message. It is only possible when Jesus Christ is your Savior. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, you find salvation. At that point, heaven becomes mine. God came to this world, and he says, I'll be your Savior. I mean, how do you make Christ your Savior? Well, I think it's simple. We make it complicated. But it's admitting that you need a Savior. And this is a tough one, because... I'm convinced part of the problem is a thing called pride gets in the way. Because this one hurts your pride. It's easy to think, I'm a good person. You may be a good person, but you're not good enough. You're not perfect. It's admitting to God that you're not perfect. Saying, God, I'm not perfect. I'm not good enough. I need a Savior. It's just admitting that you need Him to save you. You know, when I was a teenager, I spent a lot of time at the Christian camp, and I would lifeguard at that camp once in a while. And I remember going through training to be a lifeguard, and they they would always uh, teach us that you never try and save someone that's trying to save themselves. And what they would do, they would teach you, and especially if it was a lake or the ocean or wherever, that if someone was drowning, you head out to them. You get to them as rapidly as you can, and then you get close enough that you can talk to them. You try and get them to quit fighting, quit flailing around, but you just tread water till they quit, till they stop fighting, till they maybe go limp at a point. And then you go in and get a hold of them and bring them back to the shore. And they teach you that because it's vital because if you're trying to save someone that's trying to save themselves, they will grab a hold of you and they will pull you down. You know, they're panicked, they're afraid, and, and things can just go south quick. God can't save people that are trying to save themselves. In other words, you cannot have Jesus Christ as your Savior until you quit trying to get to heaven on your own effort. You can't earn it. You cannot earn your way to heaven. And for some of you, you have been trying to earn your way to heaven your entire life. And if we were to talk, I just have a hunch 
you would say, you know what, I am exhausted. I am exhausted. Because when you get on that track, it is like running on a treadmill. How many of you run on a treadmill? You burn a lot of energy, and you go nowhere, right? Some of you are on a spiritual treadmill, and you're running for everything you're worth, and let me tell you, you're going nowhere. You have to come to a point where you get off that treadmill and you get to that point in your life where you say, you know what, I do not deserve to be forgiven. I am a sinner. I need a Savior. And God, I am throwing myself at your mercy and I want Christ as my Savior. And I guarantee you, the day you take that step, God will say to you, that is what I've been waiting for. You're forgiven. It's called grace. You can't earn it. You do not deserve it. But we desperately need it. And we desperately need a Savior. Christmas, that was the gift. It's good news. Good news. John says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. So everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be what? Saved through him. Christmas is not about condemnation. It's not about condemning. It's about saving. Jesus Christ came to this world to set us free from the guilt He didn't come to condemn you. He came to change you. He didn't come to scare you. He came to save you and take the burden off your back. And there's something I've noticed in our society, especially in probably the last five to seven years, something like that, that a lot of the top-selling books that are out, a lot of talk shows and seminars, the topic is dealing with, with guilt, getting rid of guilt. And I know that some of those TV shows and books are are touting a very popular New Age philosophy. And it basically is, do whatever you want in this world, it's okay. Because guilt is a figment of your imagination. You shouldn't feel guilty about anything, you should ignore it. That's really popular today. It's because we can live self-centered lives at that point. But if you've tried it, you know it doesn't work, don't you? Others have suggested that we just learn to live with guilt. Well, that doesn't work either. Some have even taken the, the extreme and said, oh, rub some crystals together and the crystals will just take the guilt away. And friends, I want to tell you, crystals do not have the ability to forgive you. Only God does. And because of Christmas, you can receive forgiveness. You can live a life without the guilt. When when you are forgiven, when you realize that Jesus Christ came to this world not to condemn it but to save it, that's good news. That is absolutely the purpose of the church. The church doesn't exist to condemn the world. The church exists to save the world, to share the good news, to to preach the the gospel, to reach out to, to a world that's longing 
for good news. Jesus Christ came to this world. He died on a cross so that we could be forgiven. Christmas is all about forgiveness. Because of Christmas, peace is possible. You know, Luke goes on, he says, And suddenly there was with the angels a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he found favors. See, not only does God want us to have peace with him, that's the relationship part, the Savior part, but God also wants you to have peace with other people. You know, there's a, a peanut cartoon, and it's kind of, kind of cute because Lucy's talking to uh, Charlie Brown, and it's Christmas time, and she goes, it's the Christmas season. I think we ought to bury our differences, forgive each other, and, and try to get along. Charlie Brown is like, oh, this is great. But why just this season? Why not all year? I love Lucy. She says, what do you think I am, some kind of fanatic? You know. Seems like at Christmas time we're a little more gracious to the people around us. Maybe not at the mall, but everywhere else. Friends, Peace is something we need to work at year-round, not just at Christmas time. And I think, it, I think it starts with the family. And we kind of work our way out. You know, maybe it's someone that rubs you the wrong way. Maybe it's someone that you just got this jealousy thing going on or grudges or there's a resentment or maybe a misunderstanding. But think about this. God went to great lengths to bring peace to our relationship with him. And he expects us to do the same with those around us. I mean, who is it that you need to pick up the phone and have a conversation with? Who is it you maybe need to sit and write a letter to or to give a call and say, hey, let's, let's have coffee and, and talk? Who do you need to forgive in your life? Who do you need to ask forgiveness from? You know, one of the keys to what I believe are healthy and happy relationships comes out of John. He says, but if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If you're a Christian, okay, talking to Christians right now. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. God's Holy Spirit lives in you and desires peace. And the Holy Spirit works in us to make us peacemakers. And I believe that peacemaking starts in the relationships that you have in your life. Maybe in your family, at work, or in school, or Maybe here in the church. And here's what I know. If Jesus Christ dwells in you, and he does if you're a Christian, and if Jesus Christ dwells in me, and if we can't get along, there is something terribly wrong in this world. 
And there's something terribly wrong with us. Because Jesus Christ is dwelling in two people. Jesus will not be at odds with himself. Which means if you're not at peace with the people around you, you got some work to do. Now, do not misunderstand me. I am not saying that you have to go out of here and be best friends with everyone in your life. But I'm saying you should be at peace with everyone. You may have to start with a truce. You may have to call for a ceasefire. But if you're a Christian, you absolutely need to work toward peace, reconciliation. Again, I'm not saying you have to be best friends. But you've got to come to a place of peace. God gave it all so you could have peace with him. And as Christians, we are expected to live as peacemakers. Because at Christmas, peace is possible. It is possible. Now, some of you, this may have been your first Sunday here. And you go, man, they are really messed up. They're celebrating Christmas. <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you spotted the building. You've been driving by or you saw our billboard. But for whatever reason, you decided to come. And I want you to know, it doesn't matter why you came. What I know is it's not an accident that you're here. And it is absolutely not an accident that we're celebrating Christmas today. No, God brought you here for a reason. Because of Christmas, everything's changed. Everything. Is it Christmas yet? I'm not sure how to answer that one anymore. I mean, it is the 25th today. But every day is marked. Every day has been changed because of the first Christmas. So maybe that's why it feels like Christmas all over again, huh? Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, we thank you for that first Christmas. God, I pray that every day, every day we would celebrate, that we would remember that you came to this world to save us. You came to this world to to make a difference, that you came for us to have a relationship with you. And God, I pray that just everything that Christmas is would impact the way we live. God, I pray we would just celebrate. Just celebrate every day knowing how much you loved us. God, I thank you that you made it possible for us to have a relationship with you. God, I know there are some here today that haven't taken that step and that I just pray that um, 
They'd not put it off anymore. They, they would make you Savior of their life. And God, I know there are many here today that have taken that step, and I pray that we would remember that we would live knowing you are our Savior. God, we thank you for all things. It's in your Son's name we pray.